we finally got to add a daughter into the family, which was really cool. Uh, but I love, love my sons, and it's just great to experience life with them. Undoubtedly, uh, uh, you've had so many impacting moments in lives, whether you're talking as a father to your children or when you think about the things that you learned from uh, your dad. Uh, you know, one of those things that I learned from dad is just don't be a quitter. Finish what you start. You know, that was just something that that he did. He was disciplined. Um, I can't think of a single thing that he ever started and left undone. Um, Dad was somebody who completed his task. He worked uh, as a dentist for almost 52 years. He never took one sick day in 52 years. Uh, He was devoted and so I appreciate his example in that way and uh, carried on, you know. So finish what you start. It's graduation Sunday. We honored our graduates. They finished what they started. And we need to be proud of them. But, you know, life, we have a lot of things that we want to attempt to do. We have a lot of directions that we're trying to go. And it's a journey. But we want to end up in the place that we intend to. Of course, spiritually, where that is, is heaven. You know, and you can have a bumpy, rocky journey along the way. There's a lot of great sights to see. But we want to make sure we make it into the pearly gates and the streets of gold, right? Uh, eternal bliss. That, that's what we want to do. But a lot of times, there's certain goals we set spiritually. There's things we're going after in our character, We need to finish what we start, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so point number one, and this also all three of these points also are examples from my backpacking trip uh, that I took. So, uh, you know, we're going to draw from those. But uh, point number one is get a bearing. Get a bearing. Now, if you've ever been in the outdoors, you can you can get disoriented. You cannot, you know, everything kind of looks the same. I remember talking with a good friend of mine. He was the leader of the Antelope Valley Church. And he and a couple of his friends went out hiking in the Angeles National Forest. And fortunately, one of them had told their wife, if we're not back by this time, call the ranger station. Something's going on. Well, they were on the trail. And somehow they got off the trail. And they were completely disoriented. And they had no idea where they were. And so what was supposed to be a two-hour hike, five hours later... They have no idea where they're at. They're wandering around. They're running out of water, and they have no clear direction. I remember him saying, all of a sudden, we heard a helicopter. And so we're like, man, what's going on? And then the helicopter was flying, and then it started hovering over where we were. And on the loudspeaker, it started calling out the names of the three individuals. (laughs) And they said, you know, go this way. And you'll find the trail. And they were actually pretty close to the trail. But they'd been hunting around for hours, unable to find their bearing. And, the, and one of the wives had called the ranger station. They got the helicopter up there. And the helicopter was able to pick them out through the forest and give them guidance. They got home safe and sound. You know, they said it felt like God talking. You know, we're out there in the forest and your name gets called. You're like, Yes. They were thankful. 
And if you're going to navigate in the backcountry, one of the most important things is to get an accurate bearing. You've got to know which direction is which. And, you know, GPS is kind of cool. It'll show you where you're at. Um, you know, some of them have electronic compasses, but the old school compass. You know, we're familiar with the compass. What direction does the needle point? North. Now, do you realize if you went and you're saying, I'm going to take all my readings right here in Santa Clarita if I'm lost, and I know that my compass will point north, that you would be wrong. Because the needle points along the magnetic lines. And without getting too scientific, there's a term called declination. And these magnetic lines kind of through the middle of the U.S., depending on which coast you go on, they curve out. So right here where we live, the compass reading's off about 13 degrees. Okay? So if, you, if you're trying to go in a direction, you're going to hike that way for five miles, you're not going to be anywhere close to where you think you are at the end, even though you are sure that the compass was pointing you in the right direction. And so you've got to adjust for that. You say, well, you know, what about my life and how does magnetic declination relate to me having a bearing? Well, I'm glad that you were thinking that right now. I want you to go over to 2 Peter chapter 1. And the idea for this came from a Bible study Aaron was leading with AJ. And he brought up this point and I thought, you know, this fits really well with what I want to say. And in verse 5 through 8, it says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, the goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you read those verses and you go, man, that just sounds like reaching your goal. Everything on that list, you go, okay, I, as a spiritual man, as a spiritual woman, I want to accomplish these things. I want to grow. I want to add. I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be unproductive. You go, man, what, what a great target list right there. Then comes verse 9. If anyone does not have them... He's nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Now, I want you to just think for a moment. How did your journey with God begin? Where's your life at? Where's your heart? Where's your mindset? Your faith? What were you involved in? Did you look forward to a new day? Did you have hope? Were you enslaved to things that you hated but felt completely hopeless to change? Were you miserable? You know, who were you before God started His work? You see, the Bible says that, that that is a key part of having an accurate bearing 
to reach your goal. Because if we lose touch with who we were, we will never see clearly of where to go. Now, you want some examples of this? And you think about uh, the Israelites, remember? God brings them out of Egypt through Moses and all the plagues, and they, they plunder the Egyptians. They get all this gold and silver, and, and, and then, you know, they go from slaves to wealthy and free. And what did the Egyptians do every time, or not the Egyptians, what did the Israelites do? What did they verbalize every time they ran into an obstacle? Man, why did we leave Egypt? Life was so good there. Man, all day long we just sat around pots of meat, leeks, garlic, onions. I'm not making this stuff up. That's what they said. Like, and you read what they say and you go, are you clued out? You were slaves making bricks without straw. Your life stunk. That's why you cried out to God. God heard your cry. And send Moses to free him. You know, you read that and go, like, you have completely lost your sense of direction. You know, and I'm here to tell you, they're not the only ones. We can lose ours. When we forget what Jesus had to die for in our life to forgive. You know, when we forget that, when we stop feeling that, well, I needed grace, I needed forgiveness, we get a distorted view of who we are, and our compass is no longer sending us in the right direction. You say, is God saying that if we want to grow spiritually, we need to be miserable about our past every day? No. He's saying, remember how much God has done. Stay in touch with who you were and what the cross accomplished in your life. He said, you do that, you will be motivated to add to. You will be motivated to grow. You know, you just can't help but be motivated when you're in touch with all that God did. The cross is motivating. That was the reason that that God wanted the Lord's Supper to be a regular part of our life and not once a year. It's just a, a regular reminder. Why? Because it kept our compass bearing accurate. Say, would the people around you say, you've kept touch with who you were or have you lost it? You know, go back. Meditate on who you were before you started your journey. Give thanks to God and it will put your compass on straight. You know, the second lesson, so you've got to get a bearing. Second thing is you've got to overcome distractions. Now, when I was hiking with Chris Bradshaw, we had this one section of the hike that was right next to the Kern River. And I think we hiked through a mosquito farm. Um... I didn't see anyone actually raising the mosquitoes, but I can tell you that the whole time we were hiking, like it was, we were going through the swarm of bugs. 
And so I'm trying to hike on the trail. I got my trekking poles and my backpack on. And, and the, the whole time, I'm just like doing this. You, you know what started happening at that moment? I didn't see any scenery. I started tripping over rocks. Because the pesky bugs. And then I turned around at that point and I looked at Chris and he's hiking right along. Because he had this thing, a mosquito net. It's like a bug net and it goes over your hat and your face. So it's kind of this puffy mesh curtain. And so he's just hiking right along. Same bugs. He saw them all. <laughs> but not one of them messed with his face. I wish I had one of those little mosquito bug nets. I did not. And I'm thankful that that was just like one section of the hike. You know, I thought I had all the gear. I needed a bug net. So before my next hike, I'm going to get one of those. Why? Because when you're distracted by all the little pests, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if you saw it. There's a little bug flying around right here. When you're distracted by those things... You do not enjoy the world around. You start missing steps, even though the trail's marked out for you. You have trouble staying on it. Why? Because you're doing this kind of stuff. And so, you know, what I want you to think about is what annoys you? Don't look at the person. <laughs> what annoys you? What is a pest? You know, I, I just wrote down a few things. You know, things like people. People annoy me. I'm not saying this. This is just an example. Parents can annoy us. Kids can annoy the parents. Teachers can annoy students. Students can annoy teachers. The responsibilities of life can be annoying. You know, paying rent every month, isn't that so lame? Isn't it annoying? You know, like filling up your car with gas, fixing a car when it breaks, isn't that annoying? You know, there's so many things in life that can just be these pesky things. You know, our health not being perfect, it's just annoying. And we can get this vision of life is just going to be so awesome and it's just, uh, you know, I'm just going to walk down that path and everything's going to be great. And then like an unexpected bill comes in the mail. And you had such a great quiet time. And then the pesky mailman brought that. How about jury duty? It's our civil duty. Come on. I know. Nobody goes, yes! Jury duty, I'm selected. I can't wait. No, there, there's countless things in life that are like those little gnats, little mosquitoes that are flying around us. And we're trying to live the Christian life, but we're not doing a very good job because we're, we're just so annoyed. Is that how do you fix it? Well, get a giant mosquito net. 
You say, well, what is that spiritually? Well, go over to Colossians 3. I have a thought in this category. Colossians chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. And he continues on, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. He goes through that, and then... We'll pick it up again in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances uh, you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, you know, later after the sermon, you can go through and read, read that entire section. And, and you can't help but get the message of what Paul's saying is live like Jesus. Have the mindset of Jesus. Have the heart of Jesus. Have the life of Jesus. And he kind of throws in there in verse 3, you know, right after he said, put your mind and heart on things above, not on earthly things, the pesky little things. He says, for you died. You died. Jesus now lives in you. Jesus endured so much, and it never annoyed him. He was crucified, and why he's crucified, they're mocking him. They're gambling for his clothes. Was he annoyed? Now, what was his response? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Thief on the cross. Yeah, today you'll be with me in paradise. John, your mother, mother, your son. Hey, take care of each other. Jesus is doing his work. Why he's crucified. Say, why did Jesus die through crucifixion? Because God picked the worst way of going to remove all of our excuses. You say, what, what is it ultimately that annoys us? Ourself. You know, people annoy us. Why? Because they're annoying me. Like, we're, are we really annoyed? I'm annoyed because they're annoying Jesus. Who's living through me. Jesus is so annoyed by the traffic on the 405. He's so annoyed by this bill in my mailbox. Jesus, I know, Jesus told me, he's, he's so mad that my back is sore this morning. Jesus isn't annoyed by any of that. We are. Paul says, hey, it's humility. It's gratitude. It's renewal. It's the heart of Jesus. And as long as we're living... And we're running the show, and our feelings dominate our life. We're going to be completely off track. You know why? Because just like going through the mosquito farm, we're going to be living our spiritual life doing this. Ah, gosh, get these things away. Jesus walked through there and enjoyed the scenery and accomplished his mission. 
And so what, what is our mission? Oh, Jesus made it clear. He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. They're right there. All the law and the commandments are summed up in those two things. Now, let's start with your relationship with God. How is it? Is it growing? Is it deep? Is it vibrant? Is it energetic? Is there emotion and passion behind it? Do you look forward to it? Or is it a hassle? Is it a checklist item? You know why good things become checklist items? Because we're annoyed. Sometimes we're not even annoyed. We're not annoyed with God. But we're, we're, we're chasing mosquitoes in our life, so we're busy, and we don't have time. And it's like, oh, what a hassle that anyone would ask me if I did this. I said, what's going on? Man, we're, we're living. We're alive. When Jesus was alive, what did he do? Man, he got up early. He, he, constantly, he's out praying to the Father. It wasn't because there wasn't pesky things around. But he loved his father with his heart, mind, soul, and strength. How's your relationship with God? So how about loving people? How loving are you? I mean, how loving are you really? Now, see, in the church, I always say we get faked out because we can just assume that we're loving because we have all these people that hang out with us and spend time with us. But you've got to remember that they're commanded to love everyone. So people are not treating you nicely just because you deserve it. But they're commanded by God to love their neighbor. No, the question is, how loving are we? Are you a giver or a taker? Are you an initiator? Or when people initiate, are you trying to figure out how it won't work? Okay, I'm cornered. I don't have a good excuse. Fine. Do you look for needs to meet? Or do you try and act busy so no one will ask you to meet a need? You know, the question, are we loving? You know, our sinful nature is not to naturally be loving. And so we got to work at it. You know, you got some people that are just naturally loving and good for you. That's phenomenal I like to be loving I want to be loving but when I'm annoyed I'm not loving well you know what my thinking can be when all the things that annoy me stop annoying me then I will really get to be able to love people the way I should the problem is, the things that are annoying me wouldn't annoy Jesus. And so the problem is my pride, my life, versus Jesus living through me. How about loving those outside the church? Outside the faith? Do you have a mission? You know, if you believe in a heaven and a hell... They're real. But if you believe in it, then the most loving thing you can do is try and help somebody get to heaven. You can't make them get to heaven, but you can show them the way. Who do you have conversations with? What about your neighbors? What about your coworkers, teammates, 
Are you trying? You say, oh, I'm afraid. Yeah, there's times I'm afraid too. But it's the loving thing to do. You see, we've got to overcome distractions so we can love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we can love our neighbor as ourselves. If we're distracted, if we're too distracted to do those things, you know, you could go, well, I just got to eliminate the distractions. You know what? In some cases, you can do that. In other cases, the problem is not the distraction. The problem is the heart that we have. It's not the heart of Christ. And we need to die to ourselves and let Jesus live through us. So overcome distractions. Finally, you've got to fix your eyes on the goal. You know, I'm convinced the reason that a lot of employers want um, prospective hires to have a degree is not because of the knowledge that the degree brings to the job. Now, there are certain jobs where you really, really need the knowledge to do the job that you're going to do. But there's a lot of jobs where it's not your knowledge base that's going to make you do a good job. They're going to train you how to do the job. So why do they want you to do a degree? Because they want to see if you're a man or woman that can complete what you started. You've got to figure out a way to reach your goal. That's half the challenge of graduating is figure it out. You know, there's a big difference between taking classes and graduating. <laughs> a, a good buddy of mine, uh, I, had, I had a talk with him. He finally got his degree in his 30s, and I think he, he had like 350 credit hours. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He has the knowledge base to probably have... Uh, three bachelor's degrees and a couple graduate degrees. And I think his current uh, setup is, I think he has one master's and one bachelor's degree. But, you know, I remember talking with him once and I go, bro, you're brilliant. Get done. But he said, I know. I just like taking classes. I like learning stuff. And you know what? I got to kind of pick a direction and just stay there. And I was proud of him when he graduated, and it was awesome. But, you know, in in some cases, we're busy. We're taking classes. We say, well, does that class help you graduate? I don't know. Figure that out before you take the class. Well, my parents said I have to have at least 12, so this is one of those. No. Get a plan. Pick a direction. It's okay. This is not, you know, whatever degree you pick, little insight, college students, you may, you, I think like 90% of people don't even work in the field they graduated in anyway. So just finish something. But from a spiritual point of view, what's your goal? Like, where are you going? Where do you want to end up? Because if you don't have a clear answer 
If it's not like right there where you go, I'm working on this, I want to change this, and I want to end up here. You're just taking classes. You're busy, but it's not getting you any closer to the goal. Now, when Chris and I hiked, the final stretch was this final climb out of the canyon. And we did this stream crossing, and then we're there, and we get all our water, we're all set, and it's, you know, we hiked together the entire hike, but for this final thing, it was like, okay, we'll see you at the car. And, you know, when you're going up a really strenuous thing, you've got to have a goal that you're focused on. My goal changed. I started with the goal of getting to the car. But partway through the hike, I was like, this is not working. And I changed my goal. I had a better goal. Chris had told me earlier, he goes, Ron, when we're done, there's a place in Kernville called Primo's. And it has the most amazing hot sub sandwiches. And as soon as we get out of this canyon, we're going to go straight to Primo's and we're going to eat. That was my goal. I, I know you're shocked right now. Like, wow, he was motivated by food. I was. I was highly motivated by food. And all I could think of is that final hour going up, switch back after switch back after switch back after switch back. And, you know, you're tired and all that. It wasn't getting the car. The car was just the transportation to Primo's. Let's just say I didn't go with the turkey on the whole wheat bun with no mayo and lots of veggies. I went with the foot-long white bread in the Philly cheesesteak sandwich with the high-fat cheese. And they put that thing, it felt like an hour in the oven. It was only a few minutes. And the cheese was melting and bubbly and all the steak and the onions and the meat. is that. And they wrap it up in that wax paper and they hand it to me. Wax is dripping through the paper. I was so excited. I was not grossed out at all. I go, oh, good. They used the good stuff. And I just sat on the park bench in front of Primo's with Chris. I don't even, I don't know what he ate. (laughs) I was holding that thing. Grease, cheese is dripping down my hands. I Like, I got done with the wax paper. No shame. I took my bare hand and I went like that to get all the cheese and meat that was there. And I go. <laughs> I did not want to waste the Lord's goodness. <laughs> oh, you say, you know what you're thinking about right now? Philly cheesesteak. Uh huh. You might be thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Isn't it powerful when you have like the right goal in front of you? How motivating it is. I want to go back to Hebrews 12 to a passage that we read last Sunday, but I want to focus on a different part of the verse. 
in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. It says, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know, when I was going up that mountain, the initial goal of just reaching the car, I was ready to stop. I wanted to rest. I was like, ah. And as soon as in my mind I started thinking about what I was going to eat, I didn't stop one time all the way out. You know, a lot of us have goals, but the problem is we fixed our eyes on the wrong thing. And so we set a goal. We're, we're fixated on producing happiness in our life. And we're like, that's it. That's going to get me out of the canyon. I just, I just want to be happy. The only problem is it's, that's not a good goal. It works for a little bit. But you'll stop. Same with the goal of, I just want to have security. If I can just have security, that, that safety net, if I have security, then everything else will be fine. That doesn't work either. Sometimes it's, I, I just want to have a peaceful, calm life. If I could just be free from all drama, and if I can just create a life where every day is filled with peaceful Bliss. If I could have that, that's what I want. You know, sometimes it's, I just want to have success. Sometimes it's, I want to have excitement. My life's boring. I just want it to be exciting. See, the problem is when, when we're not focused on Jesus, that goal is going to motivate you only so long. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to a group of Christians that were formerly Jews and they're thinking about throwing in the towel. And God wanted you and I and the people that he wrote to to know, let me tell you where your eyes need to be set if you're going to make it to the end. You've got to put them on Jesus. Because happiness peacefulness, a better life, security. Never going to last. But the focus that will last is when you're locked eye to eye on Jesus. He says, that's the motivation you need. That will give you the strength to get up that mountain. So fix your eyes on the goal. Now, spiritually, what, what's it need to be? Jesus. You know, for all of our graduates, I know. If you're going to graduate, you're going to take classes that you love, and then you're going to take classes that you hate. And if the only reason you're going to take a class is because you love it and it's so inspiring, you won't graduate. There are certain classes that you will hate. 
hate. My most hated class? Religion in the Occult and Antiquity. It was a study of the history of the witch figure. And I had to take that to graduate early so I could get back to Toronto. It was the only class that met two requirements. I hated that class. All it was is writing papers. I got a bad grade on my final. I wrote 25 pages on my final. The professor wrote seven words, and four of them were positive, and gave me a D minus. I remember I called the professor. Dr. So-and-so, don't remember the last name, but I said, you know what? I just got my score back, and you know, if you noticed, I had A's and B's on every single thing all the way through. And then I got my final back, 25 pages. You wrote seven words, and four of them were positive. And you gave me a D minus. And I just would like a little further explanation. And he said, I am under no obligation to talk with you. Click. I hate that class. <laughs> you can tell, I'm not quite over it yet. I loathe that class. But the C-plus I got in religion, in the occult, and antiquity, I graduated. See? And you got classes that you hated just as much. You know, in life, there's things that you got to go through that just are like, oh, this is terrible. You locked in on Jesus? He's like, yeah, I'm with you. So you're going to reach your goal. You're going to finish what you start. You've got to have the right bearing. You've got to be in touch with who you were, what Jesus has done for you, how much you needed Him, how much your life has changed. If you've forgotten it, you're going to let go of growing. The Bible says you're nearsighted and blind. You've forgotten. You've been cleansed from past sins. You know, you've got to overcome distractions. There's a lot of pesky stuff. Some of it you can eliminate. Get one of those mosquito nets. That's awesome. But a lot of what annoys us, if we're honest, is because our self is running the show instead of Jesus on the inside. Let Jesus do what he does best, and we will love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we'll love our neighbors, ourselves. And finally, fix your eyes on the goal. Yeah, there's some rough parts of life. The writer of Hebrews says, you want motivation forever? Stay eye to eye with Jesus. You'll get through those rough times. Happiness, security, peace, success, improvement, and whatever else we can think of only lasts so much. Jesus is the Philly cheese steak sandwich. Reach the goal. Let's finish what we start. Let's accomplish our journey. God is rooting for you. Let's finish the race. Amen. Let's stand as we close in a final.